Today on the Only General Podcast, we spend time with a man who has played calypso, flamenco, jazz, and metal. His resume includes projects with the UTT Calypso String Band, the J9 Quartet, and We Are the Shepherd. But you can find him playing bass in Hail the Hatter and the Fishbowl Effect. Please welcome Mr. Aaron Lao Chutong. Tell me about your background in music and how it started. Because you you play with everybody. <laughs> uh, kind of, yeah. Um, well, I kind of started off just self-taught. And at some point in life, I ended up in UTT doing their pilot. Um, what do you call it? Bachelor of Fine Arts in music. Okay. Um, and that was the only real formal training I had in in music. So did you teach yourself to read music before you reach UTT? No, when I got there, that's how I learned to read music. Um, okay, good. So I am not the only one because yeah. I had because when I was at the University of Denver, I took my final year. I had elective credit, so I took guitar. Yeah, you know because I figured why not? There's a huge music school on campus. Plenty of students there. Might as well try. First class, he hands me a sheet music, and I'm sitting there like, <laughs> how'd that go for you? Because mine was a total disaster. Oh well, mine mine was interesting. Um, so I, I did the the interview for the show for the oh, sorry for the university yeah right and it was um two foreign um lecturers and one local that was um uh, dave marcelin and what year right? is this this oh. was in wow can't remember exactly this was about eight years ago maybe okay, so 2010 yeah maybe 2009 2010 maybe a little more maybe a little but less. those kids in yeah. the future were in 2019 <laughs> um yeah so dave marcelin is um this jazz uh, pianist who lived mostly in New York and the States, but he grew up in Trinidad, born here, and amazing, amazing musician. So, came in, played um, a jazz piece, played a classical piece for them. Afterwards, they said, yeah, cool, we'll keep in contact with you. And then he asked me if I wanted to sign up for his jazz lab program, which he was doing. It was the second run of it. Okay. And I was like, yeah, I don't know how to read music or anything. He's like, don't worry, we'll, I'll, I'll teach you. So I come in like about uh, an hour before each class and he will show me. So the first one pulls out this book. So I take it out of my guitar and stuff. And he's like, no, 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 just just sit by the piano. He's like, okay, cool. All right. So worse yet, I'm like, okay, I'm going on an instrument that I so don't know how to play. So you're completely out of So he took you back to basics like every good boy does fine. It, um, not even. He just like kind of sat there. He's like, all right, so it's F-A-C-E in the spaces there. And well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So every good boy does fine. And then he's like, all right, cool. So start looking at that. And then here, here we go. You're going to play this first four bars for me. And I was like, okay, cool. So I'm like, on guitar, I could probably do this. No problem. It's like, oh, crap. I have to maneuver a keyboard now. Well, you see, um, that, yep. that actually makes a lot more sense because my experience was a lot harder because my guitar teacher at the time mm -hmm. He was like, okay, now we're going to apply this to guitar. And as you know, if you look at like the neck of a guitar, you yeah, have it's frets. It's kind of... You have, you don't, all your... Because on a piano, your white keys 
are your regular notes yeah. and then your sharps or flats. Or yeah, so it's linear. Keys. It so makes sense. Easy. Yeah, but yeah, you yeah. know, you try that on a guitar. This guy gave me a song. I think it was Melody, and he's like, "Just play that." I don't know if you know <laughs> Melody. It's a very basic piece. Yeah, like, yeah. And he's like, "Just play that," and I'm like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, it's it's daunting coming to think about it on a guitar if you're approaching it that way. So yeah, I mean, but. You know, in our experience here in Trinidad, how many like local musicians have you worked with in the rock scene mainly that could read music? Um, not that many, I guess. A handful. Yeah, that's. But again, um, that's a handful that I have maybe talked to that have revealed that information to me, or that I kind of know. Yeah, I maybe haven't asked everybody that. I mean, so I I some yeah, people, are, some far. people are pretty good at faking it. I mean, you know, yeah. you give me, you give me a sheet music, and I could be like, yeah, I could get by. Yeah, but. This professional training that you had mm-hmm. in UTT, did it prepare you for the basically the music scene in Trinidad as a whole? We're not just talking rock right. music; yeah. we're talking everything. Everything, yeah. How did that help you? Like, how did that change your perspective going in? So I wasn't really doing it as a professional thing before then. I would play with a couple of bands here and there, um, and I definitely didn't know a lot of stuff leading into it. So going into there now, um, there are a lot of these random things where they'd be like, okay, have um, one person sit downstairs here, one person go up on the loft, one other person on the other side of the building, and you'll all play. When I say you're still within view of each other mostly, but you're going to have to play a song now like this because this is how the person is going to set you up to okay. play. Wow. And so I'll give you an example. Like when I first did that, I was like, what the hell is this <laughs> you know well, yeah. how is this gonna help me do anything right and then years later i had some wedding that we had to play and the person was like okay i want this person here and that person there and there and it's like it's always a goddamn wedding well yeah, yeah you know what yeah. i mean it's always a wedding aesthetic you, get, you, you know get, you get you get that one gig but you know that's something to prepare you because yeah. i'll tell you right now we played a show last year i think it was frost fest six where mm-hmm. we got on stage I'm standing up next to a monitor that's like three feet away from me and I'm not hearing anything through it. Yep. It's like what I tell myself is like as Paul Amar says, you just turn up your amp and put <laughs> it in the sound man's hand and let it happen. And let it happen, yeah. But I mean, that kind of, do you think so, like, that kind of professional training could help our community so, or is it like I think it, time? I think it could. Um, so like the, the placement thing was just one example, but we learned a lot about, um, and sometimes by accident, Sometimes, obviously, by design from the, the lecturers. Um, but we learned a lot about um, acoustics. We learned about performance. We learned about just how to actually make your performance appealing. And, like, you have to understand how to connect with the audience as well. So, with respect to, like, being on stage and you can't hear yourself, how do you deal with that? Maybe, in that case, you just need to learn to communicate with the rest of your of your team, you know? The nod. Yeah. I mean, I've played countless gigs before going to school, during school and after school, up to now, where I'm not really hearing myself on stage. And it's like, okay, I'm just going to go based on what I know that I've practiced and just kind of keep communication open with everybody and just kind of go from there. But throughout the years of UTT, did you play like with the same people or was it always just somebody completely different every time? Well, there it was... um, was pretty much um, anybody because that was where I kind of got my start. So I played 
I got a chance to play a gig with Dean Williams. He was one of the first people to kind of let me come on, come out and play with him. Very nice. Um, you know, that was like pants shitting. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ. You know, kind of thing. And that was cool. Uh, but that kind of opened up a lot of other things. Three people called me the next, you know, month to come and do things. And it started were, just growing. Were you, were you getting paid at this point? Or was it um, just like, okay, let's call it. It was fresh out of UTT. It was minimal, free. minimal kind of things. Like couple hundred dollars if i was lucky if i got paid um if i did didn't it was just like i didn't really care i was getting a play <laughs> yeah, yeah you, <laughs> you know to, so how long did it take you before the point where you're like i need to stop playing for people for free and i need to start getting paid uh started playing with one guy in particular and we were doing it for free because he was a student as well yeah but um one of the other members of the band a bass player he was like yeah no you should start charging you know you're doing really good work and you know you're playing great and don't how, don't do this for free. <laughs> how how did, how did that transition go with the people that were booking you before? Um, I mean, I don't think it was too much of an issue with most people because upfront, it was a case of well, I've had people char- ask me how much I charge, or in the case of if they didn't, I would say you know well it'll cost you this much to do it. So I had a couple of people say well I can't pay you this. I'd be like all right well I could do it for this. Can you yeah. work with that? Cool. Well, this is the yeah. thing. I mean, it seems to me like this music, this music scene that we in, and it seems like all artistic people have this problem, this struggle where they don't know how much to charge people. It it's difficult, <laughs> it's difficult to really like I how guess, do put you it together, how do you right? go about it? Like you know, to to figure out your cost per do you charge per hour or do you just like say, well, I want to buy something, so I need X amount to buy yeah. this. Or um, I try to charge per hour and like charge for so i'll have like a rehearsal rate and i'll have um the gig rate so like i charge this much for that and i'd say i just need three or four rehearsals to do your show all right so let's go so the people who are listening who like want to know how people charge give me a breakdown like an example say if i want to book you to play we're having a show at the end of the month um the band is expected to get paid I don't know, let's say $3,000 for the set. But mm-hmm. you don't know this. All right. Um, we want you, it's a six-piece band. We want you on bass. Um, we tell you two months in advance. Mm-hmm. How does the conversation start from there? Right, so the first thing I'd ask, very first thing is to make sure I'm free on the day. So I like to make sure and check that first. After that, I ask them, I tell them how much I'm charging. And... That will either determine whether they say yes or no. Um, and from there, I'll either adjust or most days, if I, I either if I have if I have the time, I'll adjust. If I don't have the time, and let's say I have a lot of other work, I, I'd just say, I'm sorry, I can't do it. Um, if I adjust, then we I send it in writing, usually just to make sure so what we agree on. Crunch written contract yeah yeah i i got screwed once not doing that oh trust me badly get screwed with a contract yeah. no but one in particular was the turning point for that and i was like yeah <laughs> so you know. so basically do you have like a minimum of rehearsals beforehand or um it really depends like so if it's if it's really uh so a lot of times i get called to do like pop rock music you know yeah, yeah, yeah. fairly this, simple this stuff the stuff that makes the yeah. money basically. so yeah if i get if i get that set list and i go home i'm gonna learn these songs and get everything done i don't expect a need to come out to too many rehearsals so i'd say 
can you work with the rehearsals? That'll be included in your price for the thing. Any extra rehearsals you need after that, I'm gonna charge a couple hundred dollars each or something. Okay. You know, and it's a flat right? rate. And say this band, you yeah. Know, say say if say it's a score, and you know, do I will? Yeah, I mean, I would I would negotiate down if I needed to with them. You know, I mean, it's not. A lot of times I kind of look at who it is and see. Okay, do you? Obviously, they can't think, but you know, I'm willing to work with them. I'll cut it. I'll do it. All right, that's yeah. not a problem. So, based on that, like, how do you feel like in the rock scene, especially? How do you think we as rock bands deal with money? <laughs> uh, probably not great. <laughs> not in a great way. Um, I, I mean, I play in two of them full time now. Yeah, Hail the Hatter, Fishbowl, and effect. Fishbowl Effect. Yeah, you know, good bands, but I. Like I love Fishbowl. Yeah. Fishbowl. If Logan is listening, boy, that man. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I love I love playing with those guys too. I it's mean, they um a real vibe. They uh definitely put everything into that music, and you know that you feel it when you go to play with them. There's oh, yeah. never and there's never a day where you go in and they're like kind of like eh, you know wasting time kind of thing. It's always but always the good. um the business aspect mm-hmm. of that band. Well. That band is is not it's not really a priority for us to make money for it and whatever. It's definitely an outlet for these guys to, sorry, to put music mm-hmm. out and just to let it exist. Just, just to feel, right? Just just, yeah. just your creative energy because everybody has day jobs and you yeah. just need that thing exactly that that that, that yeah. release. Those guys those guys all have bigger priorities. Understandably, you know this happens when we can make it happen. That sounds yeah. good, but what about like your other bands? Your other so, bands about the money or like? Um, I mean, I, know you I don't think any band, any rock band in Trinidad is about the money because I mean, you know, <laughs> you never know. Yeah. But do you think that rock bands in Trinidad should be about the money? Well, I think they should. I mean, it's it's time and energy being expended into things, and you know, you're maintaining expensive equipment. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's guy, not cheap, you know. There's guys who, like, roll into, like, small gigs with, like, $15,000 amps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Right? It's like, yo. It's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, right? But, I mean, you do it because you love it. But at the same time, you're putting a lot of time into it. You're putting a lot of money into it. And you're putting a lot of, sometimes, emotional energy into it as well. You know, oh, well, let's not right? even, let's see, so, start with that's a whole exactly. conversation on itself. <laughs> right? The emotional energy, Jesus. So there should be there should be some form of compensation towards it, right? Um, that being said, I don't know if Trinidad has the market to warrant that, you know. But there should be something, right? I mean, because this this is a scene. Like you sit down and think about it. I mean, same thing you say that you don't think Trinidad has the market for it, mm-hmm. but. We spend a lot of money to go see subpar musicians. Like, not really subpar musicians, but subpar musical content. Like, what exactly? Like, like you go to a FET. Okay, yeah. I mean, yeah, a FET is an experience in itself. But, you know, you see a soca artist come on stage. Mm-hmm. They sing on a track for about, you know, half an hour. Right. And they take home more money than I think my band has probably ever taken home in a gig. Right. Like, you sit down with these things and you wonder to yourself, like, should we as rock <laughs> musicians? Because, you know, think about it. I mean, you, you look at, I mentioned this in my clinics all the time. Carnival has four months of the year. <laughs> mm-hmm. Every other genre has basically from March till January. Yeah. Yet, you look at the money that Carnival generates for musicians in that short period of time. 
it quadruples what everybody else makes for the rest of the year and they have quadruple time all right so i mean it's like it makes me wonder if like we are doing something wrong or maybe we just you understand my point when i'm getting why i, I understand what you're saying um i mean so the soka thing i i i wouldn't say necessarily that they are I mean, obviously, they're the great performers and the great musicians in oh, soccer. Oh yeah, don't get me wrong. They're, but yeah, I guess they're. Guys. But in any in any in any um genre, you have that. But I guess because in Trinidad, soccer is the is the main thing. It would be the one to look at where it's like, oh yeah, well, you just did that and collected that paycheck for it, you know. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's but tough. It's, again, uh, you see you see a lot of Trinidadians like kind of. You know, they gravitate towards mm-hmm. dance hall. Yeah. And reggae, because, you know, all those who are listening, we're recording this before Buju comes back to Trinidad right, this weekend. Right. And, you know, that concert is probably going to score mm-hmm. in the sense of the amount of people that are going to be there. Well, yeah. But then you look at something like, say, I don't know, I think next month, the Rock Pack is supposed to come back to Trinidad. The Rock Pack? Yeah, that's Asia, Journey, the lead oh, singer. Oh, I didn't even know about that. Yeah. Okay. That's. Yeah. When you're in the know, Aaron, you well, know these I'm things. I'm never in the know. I don't know anything. I actually just heard it on the radio tonight. <laughs> on my way oh. But no, they're coming. I heard rumblings that Journey was coming back to Trinidad. Well, the right. lead singer. Yeah. Um, so, right. I mean, like, you look at that. And, like, do you think that that show, like, given the amount of, sto- like, you know, given the history of Journey, mm-hmm. Asia, I forget the other band that's coming, I think, Outfield. Right. By the time this episode comes out, this show may have been finished by now. But right. They could barely fill the center of excellence. And you look at how these bands, their history and legacy of music. Yeah. Dawns back to like the 1970s. And they have rock and roll standards. But then you have somebody like Buju, nothing against Buju and his contribution to reggae music. They like, you know, experience wise. You put them, they come to Trinidad and like Buju sells out. Right. He can sell out the Savannah, which is a humongous venue. Again, it all, it all boils down to it all boils down to your audience and to and to that. And while I think you know, yeah, Journey and yes and uh, sorry, Asia and yes, and Asia, yeah, I those get, bands, I get, yeah, right? Yeah, sorry, bands. I, I, the seven, I understand. Yeah, keep it's, mixing them up and stuff. It's Thursday um, afternoon, everybody. <laughs> you know, while those bands uh, have their experience and you know their their following and whatnot i don't know if the following down here is that huge for them one and two i mean their popularity hasn't really sustained over over the course of time um, i mean i guess yeah i guess you have a point in that regard i mean they do still like i mean their songs are timeless like you yeah. turn on any no no top, no no arguments on, there you turn on yeah. any top 40 radio around the world and you're yeah. gonna hear like you know don't stop believing no arguments yeah, there, yeah. but I'm just saying I feel like Buju has more impact on Trinidadians, the or at least the cultural, average Trinidadians. The cultural connection. Yeah, All right. So, so definitely he would he would fill up the, the place more than they would. Well, now this brings up another thing that my band struggles with because right. you played with us before mm-hmm. from time to time. How do we get that local connection as a scene? Because everybody in the local rock scene wants to sound like a foreign band, right? You can go down the list and you can see the similarities between this band sounds like this band. That band sounds like that band. Where's our rock band that's like, we hear it once and we'd be like, that is a Trini band play. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you, you, see, um, you see, you see these, these are things I want. And then, with you know, the exception of very few 
bands, <laughs> like the sound itself isn't really a Trinidadian sound, I would say. But like you hear it in, in parts of how the vocals are, are, are delivered. Um, you know, you hear it in maybe sometimes some rhythms are used, you know. I'm, I'm and and it'll, it'll, it'll click, oh, okay, yeah, that's definitely something Trinidadian. That's but, something from the islands. Yeah, yeah it's different. but I mean, rock music isn't a Trinidadian thing, really. You know, it's obviously from, from the States. And, you know, we utilize those elements because that's, that's way, what you're hearing, what you're listening to, yeah. what you're trying to emulate, to emulate right? To copy. It's like um, with classical music and stuff. If you are writing a piece that's, you know, based on classical stand, um, standards of, of writing and the classical rules of writing, you're going to obviously follow those rules and then it'll just sound like, like that. If you're doing your own thing, like uh, in the case of... Um, this guy who wrote Libertango, um, can never remember his name. Um, crap. Can't remember his name. I'll remember it later. Right? Of course. Just he, jump in when you remember. Yeah. Like... He went to study classical music in Europe. Mm-hmm. And then they basically told him there. I think I'm just kind of remembering somebody telling me the story. They're like, yeah, um, you should just write tangos. You're really good at it. And he spent the rest of his whole life writing tangos. And they were brilliant. Right? Okay. And they were all eclectic and all different. But so he utilized what he was doing and just took the elements he learned from, from classical music and did it. I mean, because it, it's, I, find, I find it a struggle because a lot of people, because when I, when I ask people to come onto the podcast, I always mm-hmm. send out like a primer to find out what, where people are at in the scene. And everybody that I have sent, you know, a questionnaire to has always come back and said, I'm sick and tired of seeing the same people at every show. Yes, right. How do you think we should start catering to get new blood in? <laughs> play out of fet. I don't know. <laughs> play out of fet. But you see, this is the thing. The last rock man to play out of fet, everybody, Kess. Right. Yeah. You've been, because even Kess at one point just jumped up and said, you know what? I sick and tired of this. You know? Yeah. I'm going to play soccer music. I mean, okay. So, like, if you play rock music out of fet, people would probably hate it because it'd be like, we came here to to party and stuff and this is not really working for us i even had a kid the other day a child come and tell me we we're like organizing instruments for them to use i don't want electric guitar because i don't like rock music you can't be serious and i was like what kid doesn't like rock music well, it's loud and it's he's like 10 well, 11 okay, well, is, yeah. it, is it like a generational thing because well I, it's a, obviously you know because we just recently played rock avenue like mm-hmm. i think a couple of weeks ago and i don't think anybody there was probably under the age of 25? No. Everybody was about 25 and up, yeah. And it's the same thing when I went to the um, Club Rain show during yeah. Carnival, same night at Soka. The age demographic is probably post-30. Yeah. You can tell everybody wants to get home, really, because they got their kids. <laughs> it's like, how do we cater to new people? Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, you have to look at what people want. And, I mean personally and i can't say this for sure because it's just a personal opinion of mine yeah no go ahead i just feel like i just feel like most people just don't really actually like music (laughs) down here they just want more it's more the 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 vibe and the lime and the whatever right so you could put anything up on stage once it's not absolutely horrible but once you know they have drinks and once they have stuff it's it's good you know that's pretty funny because some of the best attended rock shows i went to back in my day was when coconuts Mm -hmm. fridays and they just happened to have one summer where they had all the bands inside out yeah. after one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. 
But those were the best attended bands shows that I've seen. Right. Uh, so like Insert Coin, Cobalized, them fellas there, Alexis yeah. Machine at the time, play Side Out. Right. And so what do you think? If we just have like a free drinks party, oh. people might more than <laughs> Who like... Who knows? Become... Maybe. <laughs> so as... I remember the um, recession session had like a ton, a huge turnout and it was like $50 to see bands. Yes, yeah, so you know, I recession session was when that was 2016, 17. Yeah, yeah, right. And so it was fifty dollars. You saw four bands each time, and it was like, oh, cool! Look at how many people came out. You know. Yeah, but now it's right? like the going price for sure is a hundred dollars. And now it's back to to that. You might see one band, um, two bands, or four bands, depending on the on the list. Well, there's the rum shop shows that charge yeah. eighty dollars. Well, there's those two, right? But still, eighty dollars to go in a rum shop. Well, then, necessarily, again, people may not want to go certain areas. I mean, you have to factor in elements like crime, which yeah. is kind of becoming really bad well, again. Oh, well, it's always been bad. It's always been but bad. But I guess it's it now being um, in the media a little bit more. Well, the right? thing is, it's For like, whatever reason. you know, if you look at me, I live in the West. <laughs> and the next the next show I have to play is in South right. on a Saturday night. I work long hours, so mm-hmm. I have to leave work and then drive all the way out there. Yep. Play my 45 minute set and then come back up the road because I probably had to work the next day. Yep. I mean, it's like, you know, as a musician, that's kind of hot. Well, yeah, it, I've, I've done that and yeah, had to go and uh, teach little children in the morning and stuff. And like, that's, I, that's real pressure. I get home at like three o'clock in the morning and then have to wake up to go teach them at seven. It's like, uh, yeah, you know, then, right? Sounds like when I used to go to school. Yeah. All right. And you do that enough, you're kind of like, okay, one of these is, is going to get, you know, but what if, like, Sacrificed. <laughs> like, sometimes I really wonder if, like, because if we're having this conversation <coughs> together, like, I assume that promoters are going to have that conversation as well. Because I would love to be able to play to 300, 500 people. It would be great. Yeah. In a show, because I feed off the crowd. Because when people come, you know, I mm-hmm. I, I give them a show. You pay your money to see yeah. us. We're going to give you a show. But then again, nobody wants to play it in an empty room. Yeah. It's like, so how do we, like, should you think, do, what do you think? Do you think, would you pay $100 to see somebody bands in Trinidad, or do you just go because you're part of the scene? Well, no, I, I go to see bands I want to see, usually, right? Um, I don't think I've ever gone to a show where it's just been like, uh, yeah, I'm just going to go because these people lime in that night. Yeah, I hate you know, it. it's, it's, I want to see this band play. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, most times when people are having shows, I'm either playing somewhere else or or stuff. But once I'm free, it's like, ah, these guys playing, I'm gonna try my best to go to that one. Yeah, because right? they're good people, and you know, our, yeah. our community is very close knit and close. And you know, yeah, people, I mean, a lot of the guys here are influential on me and wanting to be in bands in the first place. Yeah, boy. Yeah, I mean, because uh, right? when I came back, I didn't even think that like you know some of these bands were still making music. Yeah. Well, I I, I kind of didn't catch when the rock scene was actually pretty big. Like, I keep hearing stories of stuff when it was, you know, like, more frequent and... Oh, you talk about... If, if you're hearing anything from Artery, that's the 1980s, brother, man. Well, yeah. <laughs> like, well, like, <laughs> you know obviously, I, mean? I wouldn't have gotten to like hear all those things, time, right? You know what I mean? And but they get to hear all these cool stories about this, these things and whatever. I didn't, obviously, didn't get to there catch was, on those. There stuff. was a time yeah. in Trinidad where there was a big scene. Like, mm-hmm. shows in Pier 1 used to sell out. All right. There was, I think, in 1999 or 2000, Carmen Electra in her prime came down and hosted a show here. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, she was out and it was a battle of the bands. This was before Wacken mm-hmm. and stuff like that. 
um, I don't know what the winner got, but I think they probably got a chance to tour and right. stuff like that. But yeah. that was then. That was when we were at that point. But then since I don't know what happened in the mid-2000s, where things just went south. I guess changing, changing the whole music scene around the world as well. All that could factor in on, on influencing what goes because on. Because you, you, you work yeah. with kids. And I'm yeah. sure you have like high schoolers in your school. Like, yep. What do the high schoolers listen to? Like, Do you even have those conversations? So I've subbed for the high school class a couple of times so i got to actually talk to a bunch of them on what they listen to i'm so sorry and with the exception of one group of kids who like the kind of music that i like and they are actively um you know proficient on the instruments because they go home and they practice the remainder of kids don't seem to have any real interest in music they listen to whatever's on the radio and they'll be like well i like this song by this person and this this song by that person so they listen to radio so they listen to radio um because there's no mtv yeah Yeah. you ask them if they want to you know if there's a song they want to learn or or try to play or whatever and they're kind of like no not really you know it's like okay well let's try something because i know know, um i know my (laughs) aha moment for like playing guitar was when i think i was like 11 or 12 years old mm-hmm. and i saw this guy playing on guitar music that i liked right you know that's the same thing with me <laughs> and i was like i was like could you play this song and he starts playing it and i like threw him like a curveball i was like could you play this song from way back when he's like yeah I know that song. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah yeah i can play that and it, it like blew my mind well i mean that is part of the reason why i think it's important like if kids do show interest in something don't say well no i don't want to do that or you know whatever Sh- show them be interested in it because it's like in your case and in my case i saw guys playing stuff on guitar mm-hmm. that i was like holy crap i want to do, do that, that. Yeah, yeah you know what i mean and it's like you know you go and you annoy them a couple of times and they show you some stuff and it's like okay yeah do you give lessons or anything yeah like, i want to learn yeah that was my situation. Because that's what I did. Yeah. The guy, the guy who was playing guitar, he gave me a book. He's like, "Here, yeah, go." Do because that. I bothered him so much. He's like, "Here, look a book." <laughs> like, I'm not going to give you lessons. I'm, yeah. I'm going to give you a book. And I was like, "All right." Cool. I literally learned guitar because of confirmation class. <laughs> you know? Serious? Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know of a band called Cryptic from back in the day. Oh God! Yeah, I real right? long boy. So Chris and Phil in that band. Yeah. Right. They used to give confirmation guitar class lessons and used to play in the choir in, in um, the church I went to. Very cool. And so, If I had known that, I would have gotten confirmed. I, I, was, <laughs> I was so busy. I was so busy with exams and stuff at that point yeah. in my life that I couldn't do it. I saw them playing like Metallica one day and stuff. I was like, I want to do that. I listened right? to that, yeah. And so I went and switched over. So I was doing art, the art class and stuff. And I was like... I can switch over to that. Went switched over to the guitar class and I was like, okay, cool. Let me sit down and learn how Goodbye to play. Goodbye money. <laughs> yeah, it was like, well, exactly. That's but it was like, okay, let's learn some chords and let's play Hosanna. And I was like, okay, cool. Can I learn the Rift uh, Master Puppets now? It's like, sure, yeah. Let's go that. Let's start that. Yeah, you know? and so I'm playing in the choir now and I'm playing the church songs and then while the guy, while the priest is um, doing his sermon and whatever, You're practicing. I'm quietly there like, and every now and then you play a note too loud and it's like shit because i used to i used to i used to use guitars in school yeah to practice every time i had a chance i would be playing and then i got home yeah from school and i would be playing you see when you're in high school it's great you have all this free time that you can do whatever you want to do yeah yeah but let's go back to this whole thing of seems to be like a big debate right now in trinidad 
between original bands versus oh, cover God. bands. Oh, yeah, we really had to bring that one up. Oh my God. Yeah, we have to walk down this road because everybody has mentioned this. <laughs> Sorry, before. I keep coughing into this thing. It's it's fine. What's what's your take on Trinidad cover bands? I honestly have seen one of the best bands I've seen perform was a cover band. Which band was it? Feel free to name drop. Yeah, sure. That was uh, 7AH. I really enjoyed them, their performance. You would think that they're not good at music, but they're actually pretty good at what they do. I know they are. <laughs> Except no, Mark. I really. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't like Mark, that's all. I love Mark. He's a great guy. <laughs> but you no, but I like that band. They they pay so much attention to getting Detail. these songs perfectly. Like yeah, all the details of the song. Um, down to tone and everything, right? Like, yeah. we're talking Mark Ranger, especially, and Paul. Those guys nail perfectly the tones that they're going for. Because they're both sponsored by Line 6. <laughs> <laughs> no, I under- no, I understand fully. They yeah. definitely... I love 7 so, well. they're, yeah. they're, they're a great band. Um, so, to me, you can't say... Like, I, I don't think there's a choice between one or the other. Yeah. Right? Because I've heard cover bands that are bad, right? This I've, is true. I've also heard original bands that just didn't sound good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've also heard amazing original bands that put out stuff and it's like, holy crap, you could... There are people who can write write shit like this down so, here. You know so why I mean? why do you think there's such like a blowback right now between the two of them? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I mean, like, part of me wondered if it was the fact that, you know, you had foreign cover bands coming down and getting paid a shitload of money. I, again, I don't know how much they're getting paid. I'm just going based on the arguments I've seen on Facebook and stuff. Um, these foreign bands coming and getting paid this much and local cover bands can't. I think... Uh, or worse yet, original bands can't get a chance to play on a stage of the same kind. You know. I think a tribute band retainer could yeah. sometimes be close to 5,000 US dollars. Right. Yeah. There's no... That's just a retainer. Yeah, and there's no local rock band in general that I think will even get anything like that, right? Of course not. I don't yeah, even think so. I don't even think some soccer bands will get that much. No, right? So I mean, the fact of the matter is, I wasn't sure if it was a local cover band versus local original band thing, or if it was foreign cover bands that were coming down. I feel like that had something to do with it, but then I feel like it opened up. It opens the door. It opens the door it to the arguments door, yeah. between I think, people I think, of, of I think both sides. A, I think there's a lot of blowback because, mm-hmm. I mean, let, let's, you know, let's, let's point out the elephant in the room. You know, right. Trinidad can be a real stupid country when it comes to region sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, because the people in Central believe that a cover band should be this. And then the people in the West believe a cover band should be this. And then the people in South believe everybody has their taste in music, but not everybody wants to go on stage and do Iron Maiden covers when the day comes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not every band in Trinidad has to be a metal band. No. You know what I mean? And I sit down and I watch these things because I like to silently, well, I lie. I like to <laughs> observe on Facebook at these things that are going on and these discussions that people are having. Right. And I sometimes, you guys may not think so, but I do sometimes hold back on what I tell people. Sometimes because I have I'm a sure of that. <laughs> I have a feeling that like, you know, like, for example, you would you would just like, you know, a band that plays grunge covers because you don't think the music is musically technical enough to be covered. Because you feel like, you know, a band should the reason you're in a band is to show your musical worth. 
Uh, I mean, not necessarily. I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, so if you had asked me this question a couple of years ago, I'd have said that, right? Your band is supposed to be a musical. You're yeah. supposed to show your musical. It's work. supposed to be like, pr- mu- like incredibly proficient and like super, you know, t- challenging and technical and stuff. Nowadays, I don't, tr- I don't think that too much. Yeah. I think you know the whole point about playing music is you know to enjoy, enjoy, enjoy it one, and yeah. for others to enjoy it as well. I, I right? hear you because I just recently recorded a track with Arthur Reed and Stanley Jennings, yeah, and Elena Rojas. Um, for the GSC Mixtape Volume right. 3. And I remember the first practice he went inside. Arthur Reed, in his typical Arthur Reed self, comes and says, You know what? We're going to play this song in the cash register. I'm like, the cash register? He's like, Yeah, we're just going to do open chords at the top of the neck, three frets, total Ed Sheeran style. Right. And we're going to write a catchy as hell tune, which mm-hmm. is what we did. Right. And, you know, I'm sitting down in the recording session by Mate and I'm listening back to this thing. And it's like the first track I ever was to sit down and say, you know, I can play this for my mother and she would like it. Right. And I ha- it was it wasn't it wasn't musically complex to the point that, like, you know, it's it's got like a face melting solo and we have this time no, change yeah, yeah. here. And, you know, we're going to do this polyrhythm there. It was basic. It was simple. But the musical content, the lyrics is what took it well yeah to the I'm, next level and i mean i think that is an important part of it as well yeah it has to be unless you're playing instrumental music so. and this is, i think goes this goes back to my problem with a lot of metal musicians mm-hmm. all over the world not just right in trinidad because i don't think jazz musicians have this problem where they believe that they need to be overly technical for everything hmm i there are some that don't and there are some that do I've I've played with some jazz musicians. Mm-hmm. Like they play like they like for example, we're gonna use a jazz stand that autumn leaves. Because mm-hmm. everybody knows autumn leaves. I didn't want this first time that I played, but I had to learn it fairly quickly. Right. And everybody was playing the song. And you know how autumn leaves go. And but everybody who played their part, if you go back and listen to the recording, you know, well, this is Aaron on bass. And this is Steven on drums because they added their signature flair mm-hmm. and their their touch. I and even though it was just like a basic Autumn Leaves rendition, if you understood the music, you would be like, he really took a chance there and went for it. Yeah. But I feel that local rock, especially local metal. It seems like they want to paint themselves like we're overly technical. So we're just going to bombard you with techniques from the get go. Well, again, it depends on the context of the music, right? So while I say it should be entertaining and you should enjoy it and others should enjoy it. There's no problem in something being crazy technical and and still be enjoyable. It could be, again, both ways. The, the thing about technical music is that when it's not performed um, properly, like if, let's say, the band hasn't rehearsed that music, you know, to be as tight as can be, it definitely won't come across the way it's it should. It's a freaking dream, right? Um, you know, I have played with with some music that is, like, really technical, and 
I've just been like, yeah, I didn't put any work to do this. I'm, I'm going to catch my ass, right? And you don't enjoy it. And if you don't enjoy it, nobody's going to enjoy it. You know what I mean? And um, so that music has to be done that much justice in terms of rehearsal that is put across properly. Again, the same thing can be taken with simple music. If you're, if, if you're playing simple music, you can still forget up. This is true, right? You can you can mess up anything, and uh, it all comes back to that whole thing with um. I, again, it's a quote attributed to Beethoven. I don't know if it's his or not. I've not gonna check it now. Um, but you know, if you make a, a wrong note, that's fine. That's forgettable. Nobody cares. That's but true. if you play without passion, then why fucking? Play? <laughs> you know what I mean? I I understand <laughs> fully what you're saying. Right? Like, yeah. I mean, there's some bands I have seen like locally, especially where you go and. Um, they have good music, but everybody looks bored as hell on stage. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but when I play on stage, if I'm not leaving that stage covered in sweat, I don't feel like I did a good enough job. Yeah, you, you've tried to emulate the um, googly eyes on your amp. That's pretty much, you know. That's, that's, yeah. not, that's not emulation, <laughs> but that's, that's setting trends. I bet you... But <laughs> that's you, what I mean. You, you basically have the same level of, uh, of energy as the googly eyes going all crazy. So well, yeah, good. because that's yeah. when you know you're playing loud yeah, enough. Yeah. You know what I no, mean? No, of course, yeah it's, yeah. it's all smoke and mirrors, this rock music thing, you know, but Well, I mean, music is, is all all lies anyway. <laughs> it's just all To all, an extent, yes. Yeah, you know, it's, if you sit down and think about it, I yeah. mean auto tune and quantizing. <laughs> I'm not even talking that. about that. I mean <laughs> you're selling a performance, you know, you hide any mistakes you make, you uh, you could be sick and whatever and you're you on sell stage. An image. You sell you sell the hell out of whatever it is you're selling. And you get everybody into it, right? So if the band isn't doing that, then obviously they're not doing the job right. Yeah, but but there are a lot of bands that turn out that like I feel don't do their job right. I think they they now start out and then they want to compare themselves to established bands that were created back in the mid nineties, saying like how come they can get these gigs and we can't? Right. I mean, um I I I don't know if it's like a younger generation thing. Or I wouldn't say that. I think, honestly, in the time I've been playing, I've seen bands just really, like, in a rush to get out there and play. Yeah. Right? Every and month they're doing a gig. Yeah. Well, not just that, but, like, how much time did you really sit down and practice and fine-tune your craft before you let it out there? You know, you kind of just want to jump. You just want to jump into the scene immediately. So, so is like, that is that what's going? Is that why has nobody has heard Burrow Heat yet? <laughs> yes, I am totally nobody, dropping a second. Nobody should have right now. Nobody should have known about that just yet. Uh, but you guys have a Facebook page, though. Yeah, I I honestly wish that hadn't come out so soon, right? But um, we are working on stuff. Um, there will be a debut of it when you know everything is ready to be to be seen. Um, again, part of the problem is just scheduling. Right. With everything. Yeah, I... Because you're in three bands. I'm in th- more than that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And plus you're a teacher. Yeah. Then the other guys in the bands are in pretty big bands. Yeah, exactly. And then there's other guys in there who gig every month. I mean, it's like, when do you when do you watch yourself and be like, you know, I'm spreading myself to it. Exactly, right? Um, you have to factor in the fact that you have to cover rehearsal times, which... Yeah. Again, is more difficult when everybody is playing in, in multiple bands. Um, of course, you have to factor in, you know, where it is, you know, because we rehearse in South. Yeah, because uh, so, no half the band is from South. Yeah, so 
it's not the easiest thing if I'm going down during the week. Almost impossible. One of the one of the, my favorite bands I was playing in, right, um, last year or year before, I literally told them I couldn't keep doing it because I would have to go down during the week after school yeah, to go rehearse that. there. It just was it was taxing physically on on me, and I couldn't get I couldn't really give my my and this was myself hundred percent. Well, yeah, so I'm walking with amps and everything. Yeah, so you know. it's the load in, the setup. Yeah. It, it really takes... It's taxing. And then you have to drive back home, and then you have to prepare for work the next I have day. come yeah. home, and I'm like, I just don't want to take my shit out of my car. But if I yeah. leave my stuff in my car and I go to work, it's going to get stolen. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? It's like, the, I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's a pain. Yeah. But, you know, the Burakweet Keep page went up on Facebook right away. And <laughs> I mean, shouldn't have <laughs> the guys, but the guys who are involved mm-hmm. in Berkey. I mean, it's they're talented musicians. Yeah, they may not think that I think they're talented, but they're they to their talented, experienced guys. They are, yeah. Um, I mean, it now I really wonder. It's like social media mm-hmm. as a band owner because I don't know if you manage any of your <clears throat> band stuff on no. social media. I try to manage. Um, I'm, my band I'm horrible at managing anything, so yeah, we tried our best not to let me manage. If you anything. ask my wife if I can manage anything, she's going to tell you no. But I have a degree in management. <laughs> Thank you very much. I went to school to how to do this shit. <laughs> no, but Facebook and a lot of mistakes. I think people are making on a whole, not just with new bands, but established bands as well. You think because you're connected on social media, you make an event. You think it's going to sell. I've never believed that. I don't believe it either, but I've seen a lot of people do that. They're like... It's easy to click attending and then just forget about it. Honestly, how many events have you said you're going to that you've never been to this past week? Huh, no, well, I, I've, I've tried my best not to click going on anything. I, you see, they have this new thing that says I'm interested in it. I click that one. It's like, you don't click shit. Yeah, right? I try my best not to click things too, but like if it's one I kind of want to try to make make it to, I click interested so yeah. that I'm not lying. Yeah, that you're not lying. But you see, the social media <laughs> yeah. thing is it's pretty intense. Cause people, it is. I think yeah. we're using it as a crutch. You just recently took a break. Yeah. From the Facebook thing. Yeah, and How you unfortunately that? brought me back. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's, it's the memes, man. It's yes, the memes. Yes. But really, um, what, well, how did that go? It was really nice. Uh, I hadn't checked my phone as much. I, and that's the funny thing. Like, um, I didn't leave Instagram. I just left Facebook. Okay. That's the two that, that, the, the two that I use. Um, and I stopped checking my phone as often as I used to. Um, I ended up getting a lot more stuff done. Which was cool. Like, just... I guess because I'm not checking my phone, I'm, like, going and finding something else to do. Right? Yeah. Um, Play more music, I hope. Yeah, yeah. Practiced. Um, actually got some personal practice in, which is, like, you know... Huh, let's see if I can get better at harmony. Let's see if I can get better at, you know, my actual speed on the, on the fingerboard. Yeah, shit, I haven't done you know. in, like, yeah. forever. Stuff that you should be doing every every day, but, you know, you kind of don't because life and, well, other priorities come into play, you know. Would you take a break again? I have always said I would. Um, right now, I just it just hasn't happened. But I did say at some point, again, I'll just, like, duck out and... You know, because I've been thinking the same thing. Because I was like at the beginning of the year, I just felt mm-hmm. really burnt out. I was like, "Oh my god, the year is now starting." But let me try this band merge clinic thing. Yeah, and then I'm like, 
wait. Then, then the double-edged sword hits me. It's like, shit. How am I going to promote this? So that's that's the thing. You you lose that aspect of it. So a lot of times I use my Facebook. So my Facebook is, is, is for two things. Memes and dog pictures and dog videos. And Nothing wrong with and, that. And kind of, you know, connecting with other musicians, connecting with other um, people like that. Other than that, there's no real importance to Facebook. This is true. Right? Um, so for those two things, that's what I, I would say. Uh, in terms of actual marketing, I'm not sure how well, how well the Facebook, Facebook really works. Yeah, how re- well it really matters. Um, so like Fishbowl, we don't pay to to do that, so we don't pay to do the boosts any whatever. So like we, I have never we can't paid. we can't verify um, how well it works. Um, I know Booze does the Haley Hatter one, but I don't know. I don't again. I don't there you know go, how it works. The Haley Hatter admin is Booze. Wait, that wasn't known? It's known now. Oh, okay. My bad. <laughs> sorry, Booze. Um, Cats out the bag. I mean, I never say sorry, Booze. So, you know, it's okay. Um, I don't know. I can't I can't verify how well it works or not. Um, yeah, because it's the same. The same discussion we just had. It's yeah. like the same thing I worry about. It's like everybody's going to be like, okay, it's so easy to click share. Yeah. It's so easy to click like I'm going. And then when it's time to ask somebody for, say, $100 for your show, they're like, uh, uh, yeah, a million things. They're like, oh, I got I to, like, I got to, like, beat my dog. So, like, here's here's another thing. Like, so Sidekick Envy the other day for Rock Avenue, mm-hmm. they were saying they were doing the ticketing thing to try and get people not to, to avoid um, people saying they'll just come and pay by you, though. You do we tickets. had the same discussion yeah. with them. You do tickets and you charge more the door kind of thing. Yeah. Now, I feel like you're not charging enough at the door to deter anybody from exactly. from, from um paying at the door, right? And buying the ticket instead. $20. What's... Right? Again, yeah, it's not a huge thing. It's like, okay, cool. I think, honestly, if you're doing tickets, just say it's only tickets, right? There's no paying at the door. There's no thing. So, are you coming or not? You had to buy a ticket from me. You had to buy it by Friday night because we're cutting off. Saturday is the gig. And it's selling nothing on Saturday. Exactly. I mean, now, that's how it is everywhere else. It's a world. risk. It's a risk because you're gonna you're gonna get people who will be like, well, screw them. I ain't come in. You know, kind of exactly. thing, right? But like anything else in this country, people have bad habits and they're accustomed to how things run. Exactly. And we bend to it rather than just. You know, going the hard route with GSD and starting bands on time yeah. for their shows. I love Very that. Hard. I love that too. I, I love, love that because it was like, that. oh, look, I'm playing at the time I'm supposed to play at. I'm finishing at the time I'm supposed to finish at. I can go home, right? I've gone recently, sometime after the G- the whole slew of GSD shows where it's like, great, things run down on time. And I played, Back a sh- to regular shows, I yeah. played another show somewhere and we didn't play for like two or three hours. Yeah. Given the time we we're supposed to play, and I was just cussing. Yeah, we place. played a big fest the yeah. other day. We we're like, yeah, we're going to be done by midnight. Huh? No. And one o'clock in the morning, the final band's now coming. I hate on. that, like, right? Jesus Christ. And like, we started an hour early yeah. just so you guys wouldn't have this problem, and it still happened. Yeah. And that pisses me off, right? Oh, it pisses everybody off. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, doing stuff like that, ensuring things happen and run on time, right, will kind of force the public to change their whole mindset about it. It's or like, I have to get to the show at 7. Or o'clock. you just miss the show. That's all. I remember years ago, um, Skid Novelli had one in Corner Bar, and they played on time. Mm-hmm. And then, like, a ton of people came as they were doing their last song. And then he was like, you know, sorry, guys. <laughs> we're done. Yeah. All right? And 
yeah, it's like y'all didn't come on time, you missed the show, right? That's exactly That's how it should we be. We have shit to do. We're not just gonna sit down and wait till. Yeah. But you know, the, the whole Rock Avenue thing, because everybody, those who don't know that Rock Avenue right now is supposed to have be funded by Live Music Direct, which is a government. Live music district, sorry. That's mm-hmm. supposed to be a government initiative that bands are being paid by the government so that they can play and they will right. have live music. So technically, a five-piece band makes $1,500 for a 45-minute gig, which is not bad, yeah. but it's not great. <laughs> it's really not so, great. <laughs> it's not great. However, <laughs> but if you factor in, you know, ticket sales... Ahead of time, if a band gets 10 tickets... Are you allowed to do that? Are you allowed to sell tickets as well as collect money from... I don't know if that is in... Right, because, again, again, yeah, I have to see if that's how it operates. Because then, if you you are able to collect money off of tickets and then also the live music district thing, then, okay, that's not so bad. It's like, okay, you you get a payment for that. Exactly. But if you're not allowed to do that and then you're only being paid $1,500 as a... How many you said? Five? A four to five. A four to five piece band. Five, four that's to six. I believe we were we were supposed to get paid $1,500. Yeah. That's but, really ugh, not... We all know how that ended. That's really um, not great. It's not. Considering the amount of time each person puts in. Exactly. The amount of time but you and sell tickets energy on top and money. Of that. Yeah. Well, if it does that, yeah, cool. That's fine. But even so, like, you know, when you sell your tickets and stuff like that, you're still not going to make that much. However, in the case of something like LMD, if you approach your venue and say, well, here's what... We're not going to have a cover at the door. Our band's going to bring people in. We want a section of the bar. Yeah. It's like, why can't you? Why can't bands negotiate something like that? You encourage people to drink, which we're pretty good at. Yeah. You know, as a society, nobody would then that's an extra hundred dollars that somebody's going to have in their pocket coming in. They're there more than like they're going to buy something to drink or eat while they're yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know anybody who doesn't. I mean, I know like two people who are like, yeah, I'm not going to drink anything. I'll drink water. But, but still, a water is still $10. Oh, yeah. Well, water, is, water is expensive, right? They, Forgot of course, about that. They, will, they, will, yeah. they will jam. That's how much water, I drink water, you, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's like, when are we going to like start? When are we going to sit down and be like, we're going to revolutionize? I don't the, know. I mean, it's not good for just not even any rock music alone. I think it's not good for anybody else. Like just even performers in all the other circuits and genres they don't really have that much of a handle on it either because i remember when we were doing when we were organizing rock avenue the last one that went there was you know there was a blowback i mean Mm -hmm. because there was one band that doesn't charge anybody for anything it says we don't really need tickets because we don't need permission for our parents to come out Mm -hmm. but then the counterpart of the argument is well we need to sell we need to work for our pay Right. Basically. But then again, the promoter only hands us 10 tickets. Okay. You, well, are, you understand what I'm saying? At the same time, it's like, oh, well, we would like to request more. But then they're just like, no, nah, we're capping you at 10. And then everything that's sold after that, you know, we're going to split among everybody. Okay. Well, I mean, again, I'm not the best person to talk to when it comes to business and stuff. I'm horrible at that. You know, and you're not a promoter either. I yeah. should really get a no, promoter. No, you should get a promoter. Point, you know? should get one. Maybe have a promoter and a, mu- and a musician sit down at the same time. That what might, is this? That your rally cool. factor? Jesus I don't know. <laughs> It'd be cool. Right? It would be pretty uh, cool. That would, I'll write that down. Yeah. That's definitely something to happen. But because, it, like, I just... I can't I can't really understand... Like, give you a proper breakdown of how things work. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't want to 
give you anything and then somebody's like what the hell is he talking about yeah, he doesn't know what he's doing yeah no i don't know what i'm i don't know what i'm doing when it comes <laughs> yeah. to that so no <laughs> yeah it's like it's like it's like that one meme where that guy's like i have no idea what i'm doing you that's usually I mean? my whole life i i don't know what i'm doing yeah that's that's mine too i'm just kind of like <laughs> it's, you know there's times where i'm like looking at things for example my wife like she wasn't been well these past few days she's like mm-hmm. you know why don't you cook something? And I'm like standing in front of the stove, like looking lost, you know, when I know she's like judging me silently, like, <laughs> look at this asshole. You know what I mean? It's like, can't even make cereal. You know what I mean? But I'm just ah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm taking it all in and I'm taking my time. All right. But it's like, you know, the Facebook thing and stuff like that. And again, like when you don't get paid for a gig, it, it affects me emotionally. Yeah. Like we play a good gig and then it's like afterwards, like a promoter just wants to hand us like well, small money. It's yeah. like, you just feel demotivated. You I just mean, want, like, put down your stuff. Look like, at it. it like, I, I used to feel bad about not getting paid for, like, months at a time and whatever. Yeah. And, like, at one point, a whole year. And then you realize, oh, wait, um, this guy, what's his name? Um, shit, why is my brain so messed up today? Thursday afternoon, right? Thursday yeah. afternoon, yeah. Roy Cape. Friday. Yeah, Roy, Roy Cape, Cape had, like, I think it was three years he went with one guy not paying them. I'm like... Why do you allow people to do this yeah, shit? Yeah, 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 yeah. You guys are, like, long established and, like, you know, stuff like that. It's like, how? I mean, where do we where do we draw the line between being friends and being business? Well, there should, again, there should be no, this friendship and business thing are separate separate things. I could, I, I have been able to be a friend and also still separate. Well, we're doing business now, so let's just sort sort that out. We're gonna turn the friend dial back a little bit. <laughs> well, know? no, it's not. It's nothing about that, but it's you know, this is what I do. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I understand fully, and I have a feeling that like a lot, a lot of good bands and a lot of people in Trinidad who should get paid don't. Yeah, because they think that because they're with somebody for X amount of time, that we're friends. Yeah, or we're family. Like we're we're more than friends because we play in a band together. Yeah, yeah. You understand what I'm saying? It's like we need we as a side we are musicians need to sit down and be like, all right, this is when we do business. This is when we get line. Right. Like, I mean if we can't be true to one another, how can we like properly criticize one another? You get mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I get a I get a lot of blowback because sometimes I am brutally honest with a lot of people. You're laughing, but it's true. Well, yeah. I mean, sometimes you're a little more than brutally, but... <laughs> no, but this is the thing, though. I mean, yeah, yeah, we're friends. Yeah. Well, friends. You put that in quotation. No, no, no. Because yeah, just yeah, because yeah. you're friends, just because you're linked on Facebook doesn't necessarily no, mean we're course. friends. Yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is, it's like, you have to ask yourself, like, do you want me to be critical about what you're doing? Or do you want me to just tell you something... To make you feel better. Right, yeah. Like, how do you deal with that? Um, so, I try to make sure I'm my own worst critic, which I think I am. Everybody should be. Uh, because otherwise, then I'm not going to actually push myself to be better. So, the worst thing is when you uh, play a gig and it didn't really go that great and you know it personally and somebody tells and you everybody is set. like hey it was a great show blah blah this and that you know it's awesome you're that, that was so great it's and like, stop fucking lying to me i know it was exactly shit. Yeah. right i'm just like i'd rather you just tell me you know like yeah you're real fuck up that that solo there you 
played real rubbish here. You know, you guys were out I, of time. I, again. It's one thing. Okay, so I wouldn't rather them tell me it like that, or you know, but like, especially. So I wouldn't expect most people to tell me that, but musicians, they might be the ones to tell you. You know, um, you get in some trouble with that particular riff. Um, yeah. I kind of know what you're doing there. You're wrong. Ru- you're Try that it, yeah. out, right? Or you know, you're using this finger when you should use that finger, or play it in a different position, right? Um, you know, I've had a couple of people who did that for me growing up that helped me to get better. Um, like I had Chesco Emmanuel come to see me at one of the first bands I ever played in. And this is when you were in music school or not? No, no, no. Long before that. Okay. And, you know, he told me, you know, gave me some tips on things and whatever. And he was like, you know, fix that and you'll be good to go. Right. And that helped me. It was, I didn't take it as, oh, some dude who I don't know. Is telling me, you know. Yeah, some stuff. random dude. Who's this no. old geezer coming to give right. me shit? You know no, what I, I mean? I took it as, you know, Do oh, you not know okay, who I am. I need to fix this, this, and this. Let me fix it. So, right? why do we have a hard time to be critical with one another? I don't know. I mean, again, it comes down to personality. It comes down to how we tell people things, you know. Yeah. You can't just, you know, tell somebody you fucked that up, you know, right? Okay, you have I mean, to. I, well, okay, <laughs> you can tell them you fucked it up, but you can, you, you know, you can be, you can offer, you can offer a suggestion to help make it better. You can offer, um, something that helps, right? So usually, if I can, if I can offer a suggestion to help, I would. Other than that, I'd try not to say anything. I hear you, right? I always feel like personally, I feel that people don't reach their true potential. Mm-hmm. Until they understand what it's like to work for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because we always have, like, I always go back to school where we always have, like, this one one test that we do where we bomb and we're like, shit. Yeah, that's the turning point. That's yeah. the turning point where you're like, I can do a lot better than this. Mm-hmm. I should push myself harder. It's like, it's like, you know, I have a feeling like this, this younger generation, because they're so connected and everybody's always, like, so wired, they feel like, they know everything more than we do in the sense that, like, well, I learned this on YouTube and I learned this like this. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I hate to sound like the old person who in the room who's, like, yelling at clouds outside. But I feel like, you know, you don't get you don't get that challenge to push yourself. Like, especially in the modern musician, because if you want to learn a song now, you can go on YouTube and get a walkthrough. Mm-hmm. of everything you can slow it down yeah yeah you can get the music you don't really have to put in a lot of effort to get better at what you do well, i wouldn't say that but i mean i you mean know. but you understand it's i like, understand what you say yeah, yeah the means yeah. are a lot easier to the get access to it is is, yeah. is much more at your fingertips rather than the access where you had to go on but back in my day yeah. where you had to like <laughs> i want to it's like i'm going through i remember when i got my first like my first guitar magazine, because back yeah. in the day you couldn't get guitar. Ma- you you no. still can't get guitar magazine. Yeah, you have to order it and or, or well, have somebody go away. Well, for but it that's something. it. My 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 mom went away and she brought back a guitar one. Right. Um, that guitar one had the original tabs for like black and black in it. Yeah. ACDC. Now, I at the time I was like twelve. I didn't know who ACDC was. Yeah. Much less what black and black was. I remember taking the magazine to work to school. Hit me to work to school and like my geometry teacher's like hey black and black i know that song you know it's like he's like yeah that song real dread um 
this is before naps to everybody. Mm-hmm. So getting an MP3 was a C. Yeah, yeah. So you had to find the MP3 or the CD to hear it and then to learn it because, you know, as we said earlier in the podcast, we never learned how to read music back in the day. You know, you no, just no, no, got, no. Yeah, you, you just, just got, you yeah. read tabs. It was numbers. Yeah. So nowadays, like, if somebody hears a song, it's like, I like that song. It's like, pull out my Audacity, record it, slow it down, speed it up, and I can fine tune it. And I think that the effort people put in to get to where they want to be now, it like kind of diminishes the end result. Because I feel like they can they can get by with just being mediocre. I don't know. <laughs> I've met so. I still think you know maybe you're just experiencing based on what you're seeing. Yeah. Um. So again, you can't be wrong based on what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. But I know a lot of young musicians, um, who are more well tuned into actually learning their craft than I was when I was that age. Well, yeah, you know it, what I mean? I'm, I'm sure it goes both ways. Yeah. But and, you know, the so so that's one. There are younger guys today who I'm like, crap, I wish I... Like, uh, even now, I wish I, like, put in as much work as they are. Oh, like that guy Stephen Roach you're playing with. He's Stefan. Yeah. Stefan Roach. He's, guy's, well, Stefan's been playing for a long, long time. He's you know, phenomenal. And he puts in a lot of work into what he does. You know, he dedicated a chunk of his life Basically, because I it, first right? heard him play Fetilla yeah. music last year, mm-hmm. you know, and that was that was a killer set. Yeah, because we played that set as well. And who would have thought that I would end up playing Fetilla music of all things? Right. You yeah, know yeah, what I yeah. mean? But no, like you, you can tell, you see the end product. Mm-hmm. Like I can tell, a musician who's professionally trained, somebody who's been around the block, somebody who knows what they're doing. Versus somebody who doesn't. Right. And to me, sometimes I am highly critical of people because I know the difference. Right. It's not that I'm trying to be an asshole. It's like I know the difference between this, that, and the other. Yeah. And it's, I have a feeling that like musicians that do know the difference don't say anything. And people are worried of like because they're studying about the oversensitivity of the young. Because I mm-hmm. mean... There is no way, unless your band is like technically gifted, that your band's going, that's been around for six months, is going to sound better than seasoned musicians who've been doing this for like 20 something years. Well, again, it, it depends. It all depends on whether you're doing it right or not. Because if you're a seasoned musician and you haven't been doing it right, but you're just somehow not doing it for 20 years, which, again, would be unlikely. I'm just giving a. Yeah, I understand fully. Right? You know. But, you know. There, there is probably that you know you that you can have to you know tip tiptoe around what you say with yeah, people, yeah. but again that's why why I said you know you don't you have you have to understand how you approach approach people with it right like yeah so I teach I teach kids from three years old to eleven I am so sorry right and I sometimes teach you older ones but with the younger ones especially they're easily turned off by things right the moment they start to and encounter any sort of difficulty in doing it nope they turn off right so you have to figure out a way around that so the first thing you have to do is make it exciting to them yeah right so a lot of times i have to literally become animated which is like not me at all anybody who knows me is like yeah, yeah you're not very no, an animated guy no, you know I'm, what i mean it's like i'm very like i i prefer not to say anything or move yeah for I that mean, matter right but, but 
you have to do that for them. Of and course. then the next thing is, if you have to give them critique or if you have to give them, you know, further um, help with something, you can't approach it while you're doing this wrong. Or, you know, you can't approach it with... Um, Everybody's special era. Stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Right? I understand. No, fully. so you have, to, you have to understand how to approach it with them, right? I do have some kids that I can say, uh, yeah, you're not doing that so well. So let's um, see why we're, f- we're, why we're on. Let's start over. But then there are kids who will take it to heart if I say, Mm-mm, you know. And then they right? just turned off. And they turn and off. Then... And I don't want any of them to turn off. I want exactly. them to progress. I want them to do their thing. And so I think, again, you have to treat people, older people, younger people, everybody in between. The you same have to way. treat them that way, right? Um, you know to to get it done right i mean like people i'm comfortable with i could literally be like hey fucking that part up yeah right start it over. let's do that over right but that's because i have a relationship with this person where it's like yeah you could be real we could talk like that with each other but this is the thing though i mean and, and yeah. then you come back to the whole thing like you said a couple of minutes ago you know after a gig somebody comes up and tells yeah. you oh man that was the best right. set but you deep yeah. down inside no it's shit right it's like how why why is it so hard for us to be honest with one another like nowadays it's like uh, people are afraid of just upsetting you or giving you bad news <laughs> it's like yeah but this is the thing though if you're an athlete yeah and you don't win a game how do you expect to get better if you don't learn from your mistakes well i mean okay so as my example i know when i'm playing shit and that i played shit yeah i, I think even when i wasn't that good at what i was doing Right now that I think I'm any good at what I do right now, but back when I first started, even then, I think I pretty much knew <laughs> when I played shit and when I played an okay, okay time. Right? Yeah, yeah, I hear. I still took it as okay. I have to go get better. This is me personally. If somebody told me I had to go get it better, I would go make sure I did it. Right. So now, if you tell somebody in a nice way. I would say you're not doing it to tell them in a nice way. Yeah. But you're offering a helpful critique and helpful su- suggestion for something that didn't go the way it was supposed to. And they are like, no, nah, well, F you, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where you know? What do you know, Sorry. right? Then, I mean, well, all the best to you. Cool. I'll see you at the next show and see if things have improved. Maybe it was a, a bad night tonight, you know. If it hasn't improved, then it's like, okay, well, you're on your own. Are you, are, right? you, are you really sure you're good at what you're doing? Like, you know what I mean? It's like... Yeah. I, I think, like, our society has a hard time with... We accept a lot of, like, subpar musicianship just for the sake of having it because there's not a lot out there. But that's a lie, though. There's so much. <laughs> yeah, but... We have, we have lots of shows that... Um, uh, like even now especially now we have a lot more shows than I was seeing in the last couple of years this is true there are quite a lot of bands like I'm seeing flyers with bands I've never seen before and it's like great cool alright you know that's good it's a good thing Um, of course I don't know these bands so I can't say if they're good or not and until I go see them yeah you yeah, know yeah. right but it's good to see that there's more coming about more happening right what needs to happen though is to you know, encourage those that need the work to work on it and to get better and to still create the outlets and the, the avenues for them to, one, do so and to keep doing what they're doing. So it's, it, it, makes, it makes sense. Yeah. Right. We, we all start off at some place. It's important that, you know, the the ones that need to get better are, 
approached in the right way to get better and that they also take the advice of people who know more than them and work on their stuff and get better everybody has to help each other right well, now this makes do you think like if we bring back something like pop rock would help our scene because no. i know there's there are a lot of there there are two just like cover bands versus mm-hmm. original bands there are people who yeah. believe that competition has no space in music yeah but i always like to say that if you take an example from let's say the soap industry when the government was giving a million dollars to Soka artists for Soka Monarch, mm-hmm. that's when you just saw, like, those two years, you saw a humongous bump in production values. Yeah, but was the music any better? I mean, you listen, go back and listen to Soka music from, like, 2006. Mm-hmm. Then listen to one from, like, 2013. Right. You will hear, like, a complete difference in terms of, like... Oh, you mean, yeah, you meant um, production values in the music. Not just, like, production, like, the things that we would classify ourselves as, like, this is, like, radio-ready. Like, this is something I can compete with. Like, do you think that our rock scene needs, like, a competition vibe? So, I'm not totally against competition. Um, I think the problem with competition is that, so... You have to set the, cri- the the proper criteria and everybody has to understand what it's about. So maybe doing... So like the, with cover music, it's a little bit easier to judge that criteria. Yeah, because you have a because, basis. Huh? You have something to you base have a, it on. Yeah, you have a basis for it, right? But with like original music, you have so many different bands that sound so different, so diverse. How do you really judge that criteria? Of course, you know? I think. Right? So it's kind of difficult. But I think that we need like I, I again I have no problem with with competition, right? Like I've been seeing the um the guys have been doing a little refors stuff that happens every now and again. Yeah, I I try that from time to time yeah. when I have time. To I do don't it. I don't know if it's for anything in particular, yeah. right? But it's cool to see that you know people are because when when I originally doing this thing, yeah, I was going to try and get some kind of sponsorship from because. When Vaughn took it over, because I, I just got swamped with work, mm-hmm. and I couldn't release it when I originally wanted to, but I was get putting things in place to have, you know, foreign companies possibly give these guys something. Because I still have emails and stuff to like, you know, hey, I want to build this up. Right. Because we have, we have a big local scene that spends a lot of money on gear, you know, overspending again. Yeah. Um, we can use this data to attract sponsors for us to make our things a lot easier because they're international distributors that you know local music stores use. Yeah. Um, but they just charge too damn much. Right. Yeah. So if the musician can build a relationship with these companies, we can get through. So Verfors was like, I was originally starting that to, you know, to try and get these companies on board. It's like, hey, the musicians here, and this is the kind of stuff we're putting up. It's supposed to be a showcase, um, to give people stuff. Yeah. But of course, people didn't want to trust the process and again it became something for fun because how you can get people to vote on something so subjective as music and people then say well let's just do it for kicks and after a while Mm Vaughn's like hey I'll take it over and do it because I got really busy with the stuff I was doing at the time so I mean like things like that are good but at the same time it's like people it comes back to like a popularity contest almost i mean what isn't <laughs> i mean yeah what isn't but what you isn't? know it's yeah. like there are people who are going to jump up and be like oh well you know the popular band's going to win because they have this x and x and x following 
Yeah, but I mean, so, okay, so a competition isn't necessarily, doesn't necessarily mean that, oh, you didn't place first. That doesn't mean you haven't reached somebody with it. Exactly. Right? So, you look at um, any competition, you know, you, you of course you have the person who places first and wins the prize and does whatever. Who's but remembered? I might, I might hear three riffs in there and I'll be like, no, they robbed this guy, you know. I love this riff. Of course. The, the and I love this riff. Why didn't they win, right? But I didn't know the guy who played riff number three before, so I'm going to check him out. What is he doing? Yeah, oh, he's in this he band. In? He's in this band. Never heard these bands before. Let me check them out. Oh, this is pretty sick. Hey, you heard this band? And like, so as a musician, I like to share bands that I like with people. So yeah, I think I think we all do, right? I think yeah. as people, we like to do that. So, dude, you hear this song? Check out the song, right? You know? Send it around, send it around and stuff and yeah, that's real bad. And you know it's real dread. Yeah. That person didn't win didn't win the show, didn't win the competition, but and he did a good job. I might be I might have done this and then ten other people might have done this and it gets out there. And people are like, Oh yeah, I really want to see this band play. I mean, you know, that's great, but then there's like, you know, these people who like I think as musicians we have a hard time of like managing our expectations. Mm-hmm. Because we automatically assume that, like, all right, if I play a show with this band, who's well-established and stuff like that, I'm automatically going to get X amount of followers based on so-and-so. Um, because I remember when we were trying to decide, like, what we're going to do for Rock Avenue, like, we said, okay, well, these are the bands, like, we, I remember laying it out in the band room, saying, like, these are the bands that are playing. This is the type of crowd we're going to get. Mm-hmm. We can't do this kind of music. We have to do this. Right. Because you want to, every time you play a show, you want to maximize your exposure to whoever. Like, this is my thought process. Like, I am not going to play Cookie Monster Rock to a bunch of, like, working millennials from the West who spend all day on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um... I think that bands in Trinidad have a hard time managing this kind of expectation of them as bands. Like, they have a hard time balancing their, like, ultra-creative, this is our signature sound, Mm -hmm. versus, like, let's appeal to the masses and try and make, trying to build a name for ourselves. And then when they do a show with this band that's completely different from them, they're like, Oh well, this is a waste of time because we didn't get X amount of exposure. Well, again, you have to you have to understand how it works, right? So, music around the world is like that. Yeah. Right. I remember reading an article about um the bands that were in the top forty of whatever charts it was, and most of them have day jobs. You know, oh. they they're not they're not out doing the rock star thing or whatever. Some yeah. of them, some of them are working in in accounting. Some of them are working in dad rockers, in yeah, thing. you know. No, but some of them are young people. Some of them are baristas. All kinds of different things, right? It's a yeah. bunch of different jobs. But these guys play music, and some of them are are really, I guess you'd say, entertainment bands. Like you know, the ones that aren't really super artsy and aren't super original. But some are like really out there kind of music, right? Mm-hmm. And they understand the fact that okay cool yeah i mean it this isn't the you know 
the dream of oh i'm gonna make it big and make you know thing my music is on the charts and i'm still here this is true doing my job right but i'm making my music it's there people are, are out there hearing it like as a musician personally i i don't give a shit about being famous and having a ton of money making music making right? music kind of sample, right? yeah. my point is i play music and i get paid for it and i i i'm not doing a job that isn't music right yeah. at all right so i think personally i'm doing <laughs> what makes me happy and i'm having fun with it right i don't first and foremost i don't ever join a band with the case of oh this band gonna make it and this is gonna be my ticket to thing true right i joined one of my bands because they were looking for a bass player and i had just bought a new bass and i was like i'm looking for a project to really i want to play do some something with bass, bass. Yeah. let me join in in that and then I joined another one because their base was, was leaving. And it was like, okay, well, let me join in on that too. And now I'm playing bass in bands. And it's like, why am I you playing just, bass just, in you bands? You just get pulled yeah. in bass in bands. That's this, how it ends up. This yeah. is all Stefan Roach's fault anyway. Right? Huh. But <laughs> um, last year, I think yeah. he had to play Skyrock to possibly... We played for the walk-in competition. How did yeah. that go? It was cool. It was fun. Um... Like, what is that process? Like, how does one be like, all right, we're going to play for Wacken? So, again, it was a chance to do something that would, you know, get you out there kind of stuff. Um, again, I don't know how much of going to do that would have been a case of, oh, look, we're going to get 100,000 new followers now because we're going to go play in Wacken. All right? Okay. If we want, obviously. That's my personal t- take on it. I am... I don't buy into things very yeah, quickly no, and nothing, very easily. Nothing against Lynchpin, right? but Lynchpin did kind of pull through that whack-in thing. But it's like, yeah. you sit down and look at when Lynchpin, like, you know, now, compared to where they were three years ago. Right. I think that even post whack it, it's almost like the same. Well, I don't know. I never really looked into it. Um, I mean, like, yeah. th- let's think about it from, like, local reach. Right. You know what I mean? Because if we could name, like, the five biggest bands... In Trinidad right now, from let's say the non-rock-going community. You mean ones that regular people would know? Yeah, like I would probably say like Orange Sky, Black Rose, people mention Skid Navelli, um, Joint Pop, Joint Pop, yes, maybe Tripped and Falling, or you'll get a Tripped and Falling mention here and there, depending on who you ask, um, or maybe. Some people might remember when Kess was doing rock. Kess, so. or maybe an insert coin. Because <laughs> yes, they just you'll get an insert you'll coin. Get insert, yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that. essentially, you'll think that's like, you know, the five biggest bands in Trinidad, all of which have been formed before year 2000. Mm-hmm. Now, you look at Lynchpin's success with Wacken and going all the way to Germany to play, which, you know, probably cost them an arm and a leg to get there. Mm-hmm. It's like, apart from that, I mean, I think millennial holocaust is a great ep it's it's not bad for what it is it's good right it's a step up from what like a lot of you know hardcore bands in Trinidad are doing on the genre not so much like hardcore to say but like the success like the effort to put through and the fundraising drive you had to do to get to wacken it's like what what was you know what was the end game it's like, I have a feeling like, you know, they, they went to Wacken, released an album, and then afterwards, it's just like, well, we're back. 
headlining one two shows every now and again and it's like well again i can't speak for them so i, I don't mean know. i'm not <laughs> but it seems to be like me but, as an outside perspective like look yeah you know it's it seems like these things that we do like as bands yeah. like like when do we start to sit down and tell us it's like what's the end game with this well i think all bands have to have that discussion with each other at some point um you know like i when we were doing the walking thing I just chalked it up as it would be a cool experience. Yeah, it's a cool experience. Right? Go Germany. And yeah. yeah, okay, we would have had to put out money for it. Personally, I'm not putting out the money out of my pocket for that. So we would have had to figure out fundraising. We would have had to do whatever. You know, otherwise it was like, yeah, no. Because it, it, would, it would have been right? tight funds, like real yeah. tight funds. Because Germany's not freaking cheap. No, it's expensive, right? And then on top of that, you know, it's like you have to cover the fact that... Um, I have to figure out how I'm getting time off from school, which is not the easiest thing. In so, the middle of like, oh, I think thankfully, it's the... thankfully it fell in when I had holidays, right? But it was like, oh, yeah. Uh, huh. You know, if it's not, that's not happening. Yeah, right? with you guys. So, to me, I'm not, I'm not looking at it from that perspective. So, I don't know how the guys in Lynchpin are looking at it and how they looked at it. I mean, they got great they exposure. It. They got tour, oh, yeah. like, well, they I got mean, tour Mexico, tour the United States, the Western part, they got yeah. sponsorships and stuff like that. But it seems like from then, you're still just in well, Trinidad. I mean, you, it's you, like, you, okay, so you can't, you can't grow without taking a risk. This is right? true. And so, if the risk goes and you don't, get exactly what you're, you're you expected in return but you get something it's still better than nothing right so you have to take a risk for anything to happen if this you don't do it very true you don't do it you're just gonna it's just gonna be talk all talk and you know nothing will come from it so you know kudos to those guys for for doing yeah, it yeah yeah props to them right? definitely you know that's you know and they, i mean it's great because it kind of validates some of the metal that we have in Trinidad coming out of it. But then again, you compare Lynchpin to like local metal bands. Somebody that look about you can see the jump. Like yeah. the big you can see the gap in the stage show. Like Well, not just that those guys spend a lot of time crafting their, their work. You oh know. they're good. They do, you know. They're they they wouldn't have gotten that far if they weren't good. Yeah. I, I will always say Lynchpin is not the kind of music I listen to, right? But if you watch their performances, and I've also managed to see a couple of their rehearsals, they put a lot of fucking work into it. And, yeah, they do. And, they're, they're and you see, you see it back at you. You know. I think they're. It's one all of the, tight. It's all. Yeah, I think they're one there. of the few. I like mega props to Jiggy and Aaron for being so. Oh, like, <laughs> that's the tightest. Like, like that. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Props to Grandmaster Jiggy, who's probably the leader of the band because he's always <laughs> pissed off all the time. But he's, no, you know, he's they, 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 run, they run a tight set. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. they sync lighting. They sync yeah. their their stage show, their image. They may not be Trinidad's best band talented, but they run it the best. No, they have they have everything. They have it, it organized. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're organized. They have electronic press kit. Yeah, they have yeah. all that stuff. It's all it's all ahead ahead with it, yeah. Could you imagine if like Lynchpin was like an alternative rock band or something that appealed to the matches? It's like with that kind of management they had in place. I mean, it's kind of upsetting that they're just like all this effort goes into like a metal band. But if like bands put in only like twenty percent of the effort that they do, mm-hmm. like we're not even talking about doing everything that they do, but you just put twenty percent of your effort. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember, it's 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 effort, but it's also like cost, right? So one of the things I learned, especially when I was in school, mm-hmm. was that in order to do anything in the arts and do it well, yes, part of it is practicing and making sure you 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 can do what you have to do perfect. Well, as perfectly as can be. Yeah, you have to put a lot of money. This is true. Behind it, this a is... lot. You're gonna you're gonna spend a lot of money to just get it out there. That's right? that's the same thing yeah. that I um I had to bring up in my merch clinics. I told everybody straight. I was like, if you want to sell jerseys that people like, you can't go on MS Paint and <laughs> do, do it that. yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you have to hire a designer. Yeah. yeah. If you want an image that people you want people you want people to invest in your brand. Exactly. You want to build your brand. To a certain point. I mean, look at it for us. Like when we're, whenever we have a gig coming up, we have to pay close to $600 for a practice space mm-hmm. just so that we can get tight enough to put on a show good enough for people to be like, well, I spent money to see these guys, so I want to see them again at this price. Yeah. You know, that's already minus $600. Same thing applies for merch. Like as I tell everybody in, you know, the band merch clinics that I did, it was you have to make that investment. And if you don't make that investment, you're not going to make back that money in return. Exactly. And why are we so afraid to spend money? Like we would spend money on like, we would spend money on, on toys. Like for example, guys would get a custom guitar for like, you know, 10, 15, $20,000. Mm-hmm. But say like, okay, why don't you just pay a designer like $5,000 to design your band or even invest Ten thousand dollars, like half of what you spend on the guitar, yeah, in your brand's image. Why won't you do that? Like, why do we have a hard time? Maybe they this? don't know. I mean, you try to. Ex- <laughs> I tell you, I mean, some of the clinics have been like, you know, you try to explain it to these people. It's like, you know, you can hire design, and everyone so sits down there like. The mm-hmm. the other thing is that a lot of people just look at the bands that they like, and think, oh, I'm doing that, right? They don't realize that like a lot of the big bands that are making it and and doing you know top of the charts and oh yeah when you get out a there deal, yeah. yeah they they are pretty much told how to dress and you know and like what yeah I, it's it's kind of planned right I always like to use Greta Van Fleet as like an you you know Greta Van Fleet yeah the, I know them yeah I like, just I don't know them that that's much. what the modern yeah. band has to go through when they get a record deal now yeah it's like you guys sound like Led Zeppelin. The record company is going to make sure you dress like, like Led, Led Zeppelin. Zeppelin. You have to do this, this Led Zeppelin thing to a T. Yeah. Down to the point that you're using the same amps that Jimmy Page used. Yeah, yeah. In the recording studio, and we're giving you because people don't realize when you get a record deal, it's essentially a loan. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. Like people don't realize that a record deal is a loan that you're given. Yeah. They're funneling. They're funneling the money. So they're you giving could, you. This you can do what you need to do, but you have to make sure it comes back. You, they own your music, but they're yeah. giving you this money. Like your collateral is whatever you put out there. So you can sing shit on a record. If it doesn't sell, you're not out of pocket, but they are. But they still own that garbage until it starts to sell. Yeah. yeah. And I have a feeling that like a lot of musicians don't realize the work and sacrifice that's needed. I, I don't know if you guys discuss this in music school at all. Like the sacrifice. Oh, you mean like um, in terms of what you actually give up as yeah, a person? as a musician, as a person. As a person, you mean? Yeah. Like what yeah, you no, give no, no. up? It wasn't like, okay, so it wasn't officially like, you know, 
uh, a discussion in in the thing, but it has come up and it has been talks that you might have with your your lecturer or you might have with the person in class with you. You you come to you either come to realize it or somebody kind of explains it to you or you witness it, seeing somebody getting their thing happening. You and see you're the, like, you see this one guy who comes every day yeah. and practices three four hours and then all of a sudden he's got this big break. Yeah yeah. You know, he's like first chair of the orchestra. Yeah, no, of course. So that's how it goes. You know, you if you're not putting any practice, you're not going to get chosen for things. Then to, um, let's just say, if, you know, you're spending all your time um, dressing badly and whatever. So like, let's say for an orchestra, they're not going to call you to thing. You can't dress, but you, you don't want to, you don't want to like, you know, neaten up your bed or your whatever and stuff. They're, they're not gonna, gonna put your hair back. And yeah. At least get a, like a proper mark before yeah. you play. They're not Simple gonna call you. Like that, they're not gonna know? call you to come and play, right? Like a lot of the groups that I played freelance for, it was like you know, coordinated dressing and stuff and whatever. It's like, oh, that means I need to go buy pants now. Or I need to go do this. So I need to go do that. You know, all for the sake of ball. doing that. Huh? You had to play. But you ball. have to play ball, yeah. right? Otherwise, if you're not willing to do that, it's like well, dried out. Yeah, I think. You know? I think. Um, Guitarists, bassists, and drummers do a good job at that kind of stuff in terms of that. But I think, like, a lot of our local rock front men don't put in the work like they're supposed to. It's like, I, I've seen I've seen a lot of guys, like, come and just kind of like, oh, uh, I'm not going to do vocal lessons and stuff. Like, yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a front man, but I'm not, like, a front man. If you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Now. Like, you know, they come and... So, being a front man is not just singing, you know? Yeah. You know, the front man... Their job is to be the voice of the band. You know, you have to talk to the crowd. You have to engage, engage them into taking part in the in the show. You have to, you have you have a lot to do. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, it boils down to having the right personality for it. Um, also being able to to know what to say. Again, which is why I definitely can't be a front man because I like always have to pause a lot and go, um, you know, you can't do that when you're on stage. And exactly. Then, so a lot of people don't realize you have to practice the fuck what you have to say before you go on stage and say. Wait, it's not write a script, but like you know, no, at least don't have write an a idea. script, but have have the right idea of what you're gonna say and when you're gonna say it. You know, you might you might ad lib something in between, but have mm. what you're gonna say kind of ready. Before you go and say it, you know. Yeah. Otherwise, you're gonna go up and say stuff like, "Um, so we are. What's the name of our band again? Yeah, we are this, and um, yeah. Hope you enjoy. Yeah, like hope you enjoy. Like, um, hey guys, um, we are we are the shepherd. Let's. I love <laughs> I love to hear. Um, hope you enjoy, and I love to hear. I, like I especially love to hear when people tell me that um, you know they're they're sorry for something it's like don't tell yeah, me like, don't tell me sorry for something just i, I just remember play. i remember i had to front line i had to be the front man for a band in college my first year because it's just me my drum and a bassist and we're power trio and i'm like all right well i guess i have to sing yeah and you know i remember the first time i got up on the microphone and like people like looking at me like and i just kind of hold the mic i'm like you know what fuck this amplified small talk thing let's just play yeah you know, and, and people love that. It's like, you know, just get on with it. Like, there are some people who, like, you know, they come on the stage, like, hey, guys, how's everybody doing tonight? You know, good to see you. Thanks for coming. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like, cool. follow us on Facebook, Instagram, blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? It's like the call to arms. It's like, yeah. It, I see when, when bands do that, it's like, it's like, it's like wasting time. 
it could be that. I mean, so as a musician too, I actually just prefer if bands will talk to me if they just play music but <laughs> you know it's like hush your ass and get all the <laughs> yeah that's just me right but um i mean you know you have to you have to engage your audience you have to talk you have to talk a little bit and yes okay there are times when you know you have to cover for uh shit guitar player need to down tune there um, yeah, yeah bass always. player need to change his bass um you know whatever the case is sometimes you had to cover for things like that right but you know, know what you're going to say. Um, kind of make sure you have some charisma, right? But do if you had to pick, yeah. like you know, some of the best like front men, Trinidad rock bands, who would you pick? Um, hmm, best front men. Yeah, I'll put, put you on the spot. Wow, thank you. You know, no problem. Now I have That's to why think I'm here. about things. Um, hmm. Wait, from rock bands only? Yeah, let's think rock bands. So, so, it's just a completely yeah, different... Yeah, yeah. That's a completely catalog. Well, I mean, you had to give it up to Nigel for that. I yeah, mean, what? Nigel, we're <laughs> all good for you. Nigel, Nigel knows how to make a crowd eat out his hand. <laughs> like, straight up, I've performed a couple of times with him. Just small things and whatever. And then the multitude of times I've seen him yeah. live, the man just knows ne- what never to do for- and Never what forget to Nigel Rojas's We, Hel- we Will Rise. Yeah, he and was... I'm pretty sure he also doesn't practice what he says before, so he probably just negated everything I just said. You know, <laughs> Tati? He, he's, no, he's a natural. He's, yeah. he's, he's the man a great, just knows great what interview. to do, and it's amazing. <laughs> Somebody else is good at it, I think, um, Blinky from Anti-Everything. Oh, Blinky is amazing, yeah. Blink, Blinky's really good. He's um, also a ninja, and I don't know how he just jumps out of nowhere and appears on stage. Well, that's that's hardcore, that's hardcore culture. That's just how it is. Yeah, I mean, but I still culture. don't know how he does it, because, like, in Rock Avenue, there was literally nowhere for him to hide, and he just jumped out of nowhere. And oh, he puts his foot on the bass drum like he practices because I actually saw this. In no, 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 not how he jumps. You know, just the fact that it was like at one point he wasn't there, and then all of a sudden he was there. Oh, it was during the Circle Square. <laughs> yeah, he was because I was by, because I was by the merch table. Yeah, right. And there's these monitors, and I'm seeing Blinky holding a mic behind the standing monitors i'm like what the hell's going on yeah, here yeah. that's part where i'm um, satish just bent down to like take my photos on right, stage right. big up satish for photos um and blinky's there and then all of a sudden he just jumps out and he's like on the stage i'm like oh so that's how you yeah, do it yeah, yeah, no, no. no he has definitely stage presence. blinky um blinky's good i think james from insert coin is pretty good too. yes for sure. james he has a way of connecting yes like james is every time that I have seen insert play. Like James has this way of connecting with a crowd. Like that's just even though it's like he seems like he's kind of balled up in a corner, like his shoulders pulled together and he like does the standing thing. Like no, that's just to sing the fucking emotional emotion. lyrics that he has. But then you know, when but he's like, when he's yeah, jumping yeah. out, like it's like Definitely, he yeah. is like he's hit it's a tough job because Scott plays real loud horse. <laughs> Scott Scott don't give a shit. Scott does turn up and play. You could hear I sure if you stand outside my window, you could hear like Scott Guitar Judy Valley right now. He is <laughs> he's play real loud. And yeah, James yeah, yeah. is like, you know, No, no, no. Definitely he's props, props to James too, man. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But other than that, I don't think we have there might be one or two, but I think like and these guys you see, this is the point I'm trying to well, get to. I wouldn't I wouldn't say, you know, it's too bad, but yeah, okay. I I mean like if you're thinking totally as a front man, front man thing, mm-hmm. it's not an easy job. And, you know, it's really not. And I think that we, I think part of the reason why the rock scene in Trinidad is kind of hurting is because we don't have enough proper front men to sell it to the casual. 
I guess that could be it. I mean, so like Kess works well with the audience. He knows how to oh, pull when, in things. Oh, when Kess band was playing yeah. acoustic music, Woodfoot Cafe used to be packed. I remember, yeah. It was yeah, yeah, yeah. like, I saw Kess band play um, Hearts Band launch in like year 2001. Yeah. There was a Hearts First Band Kess play. This was like the first time they started doing soca and they were damn good. Mm-hmm. You need that appeal. Yeah. Because, you know, nobody is going to... Like, look at Van Halen. Well, like I said, I don't know how or what it is. Because, yeah, I don't have that. <laughs> you, need, you need that stage presence. <laughs> you need, yeah, yeah, you do. It's kind of like when yeah. you're on, on um, social media and you need that presence. As I try to hide on stage. So, I mean, you know. Well, yeah, because your base is like humongous. That's why I hide behind it. Yeah, I'm short and small. I just hide behind it. You know, it's it's tough. And I think that, like, we can we can build things together as a society. And get better is well we should always be striving for that you know and i think as a community rock music is not huge in trinidad we have a small community people need to just start working a little more t- a lot more t- well yeah a lot more together and, i think so and, i think and, i think you, know, you don't have grow, space yeah. for like petty nonsense yeah exactly and if somebody like you know criticizes your job it's not because they don't like it it's the fact that they know that you can do better yeah all right and I think these are conversations that we need to have. Yeah, for sure. And everybody should be open to some form of criticism. Well, I mean, you're doing, you're, you're a human being, one, and you're doing something that is observed by people. Like, primarily, that's what it is. Yeah. It's not to say it's like, you know, somebody isn't seeing what you're doing and then they get to, to look at it or hear it. No, somebody's actually actively watching you do it while it's happening. Right? Yeah. The, ex- the, the, the it ceases to exist when you stop right so you know it's tough you have to be able to deliver it in that space of time and if you're not doing it and somebody offers a, you a suggestion and a suggestion not in you know a malicious way mm-hmm. you know take it and work work at it and do fix it do your thing they're not meaning anything by it i mean again if somebody tells you it's in a bad way cool well kind of like tell them well you know well F off, and then maybe say, okay, maybe I do also need to look at this. This is true. You should always take any form of criticism, whether it's well sent or whether it's maliciously sent. Take it still and analyze yourself. You should always record yourself practicing. You should always, um, you know, if you can, record your performances and go back through it. It's the easiest way to learn from your again from your mistakes mistakes. because you you hear everything and you're like oh yeah we really made a mess of this part so let's work on that part we made a mess on this part let's work on that you know that is the only way to grow and again we need to do it together as a community and rather than just say screw those guys and screw those guys and you know not do anything and just fight instead you know don't do that we can make it if we try you know yes we can make it if we try. And with, with that note, I think I should, you know, I should let you go because you have things to do and you have a lot of things coming up. Um, <laughs> When this comes out, Rock Avenue and stuff will probably be done. I'm not sure, but you may probably be Burkeet now coming off the ground. I don't know. Yeah, I don't even know when, but it will be happening sometime in the... Well, maybe, maybe I could have you back when Burkeet coming out. Yeah, sure. Why not? Coming. I yeah, mean, this yeah, is fun. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. thanks again for having me. Thanks a lot hey. for playing Rock Avenue 1 with um, we had each other. That was a lot of fun. That that was excitement. It was. I fun. was nervous, was... nervous like hell. I haven't been that nervous in a long time. But hey, it was hey. Again, <laughs> when 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 I when you listen back to the recording, 
It was cool. And I say, I say, big up Aaron on the synth. That response you got, brother man. <laughs> hey, that was like in wrestling. That's what you call like, yeah. Well, cool. I mean, you know, now, I was, pe- I was like too that. busy. I was too busy shitting myself, like trying to remember. Well, what the hell am I gonna do here? Well, know, I, I hate to tell you, but the boys in the band kind of want you to come back to play synth again. <laughs> no, it was good. It was a good touch. Well, um, I am actually playing synth again for um, this grunge show. So. Grunge show. Yeah, I'm looking forward yeah, to that. It's gonna so, be fun. Um, Making sure I could play the goddamn thing properly. Well, when you get better, we'll, we'll definitely call you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, mean, once thanks. I have the time, I have no problem at all. Thanks a yeah, lot yeah. for coming out. Um, anything you want to tell the people before you go? Um, share hmm. memes. <laughs> yeah, uh, share more memes. You know, and just hopefully, you know, just take criticism. Don't don't take it so hard. Just don't take it personal. Just get work on yourself, and you know, try and work together with people and stuff. I mean, you know, that kind of. Simple cliche, but also important bullshit. <laughs> that's that's a music degree in a nutshell. Everybody, just you know, take criticism and 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 truck on. Iran, thanks a lot. Hey, thanks, Chris. Always a pleasure. Take care, right? Yep. And thanks for the scotch. Hey, hey the scotch was good. Next time, we'll talk about scotch. Take care, Iran. Yeah, man. <laughs>